0: The John Morris Show, episode 129. The John Morris Show. Your life on code. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morris. Hey everybody, welcome back to The John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. Happy (laughs) Friday. You know, normally, with the way I work, working at home, weekends, Fridays don't really mean a whole lot to me my days are all kind of run together the same between weekend weekday but this week I'll tell you what it's been a fairly long week and so I'm actually looking forward to Friday this week so happy happy Friday for me and maybe a little bit later if we have time I'll get into exactly why that is because I think there's a lesson there for you guys but primarily what I want to get into in this episode is, is PHP dead? And it's kind of this often repeated refrain. People every so often like to bring this up and act like it's a real question. What, what I find so often is it's, not, it's usually not somebody legitimately asking if PHP is dead. It's somebody who hates PHP and is asking the question as a lead-in for them to bash it. So I don't find it very often to be a genuine question. Some some is, but usually what I see most of the time, that's not the case. And so I want to get into some of the arguments people make. I want to talk about those arguments. And then I want to tell you what I think about PHP. Now, if you've listened to the show, I think the answer will be obvious. But I really want to kind of go at this question and tell you why I think most of the the reasons people give for it being dead or dying or going to die are are just off base i mean how long have people been asking quote unquote if php is going to die and it still hasn't so we're going to get into that as i mentioned if if we have time i'm also going to get into some things that have happened to me recently regarding some client work and the lesson that you can take from it and Really, the process that I'm using for dealing with some of the things that have come up and how you can use it in your freelance career really to create consistency and peace of mind as a freelancer. That's probably one of the biggest things that people who are freelancing or wanting to get into freelance. That's one of the biggest hindrances is reliable, stable, consistent income and client work and peace of mind that 6 months from now you're still going to have work, you're still going to have income and so forth. And often stops a lot of people from doing it. And so I want to address that. Some things that have gone on with me recently are again a lesson in that and so I want to talk through that and and talk about the process I use for dealing with this stuff. But before I get into all that, uh I want to let you guys know that I just released module 2 of my PHP 101 course. And module two, I, I call module two the next level. And that's because we genuinely do get into professional PHP developer skills, things that the copy pasters really can't do. They, they they might see the code, but don't really know how it works. And in my mind, it's the skills that really make clients and potential bosses kind of sit up and take notice and genuinely value what you do. It, it helps you get a, a head above other developers and allows you to be able to do things that a lot of other developers just can't do. And by the end of module two, I show you how to create a full on multi-page form using sessions. Now this is the kind of form that's at the core of companies like Wufoo and SurveyMonkey, which I've talked about before. It's the kind of form that when you go from page to page, let's say you go back to a page for some reason, you don't lose all of your data. It sticks. And we do that using sessions. And so I show you how to build that form, how to lay out the pages, how to do the sessions stuff, and then how to ultimately submit it to a database, pull the data back out, and so forth. And so, again, this is... This is really the core of these big companies that have made millions, I think in Survey Monkey's case, even billions. And at the core of it is this, this kind of form that's different from the basic stuff that you might see out there. So I'm going to show you how to build that by the end of this course. And so this is where we really get past the kind of the toe in the water phase with PHP of the, do I like PHP? Can I do this? Kind of figuring out if this is the path you want to go, we're past that. And now we're getting into getting serious. And so the lessons in this course or this module are PHP operators and we get the new ones from PHP seven and so forth, reading, writing, and appending files, how to, and we talk about security in that as well uh, and securing file uploads and so forth, which is obviously very important, how to create folders using sessions, cookies, how to write custom functions, we get into scope, constants, do a full curl tutorial, Uh, file get contents as kind of an alternative to curl, how to upload files, and then how to build multi-page form, uh, that multi-page form with sessions. So obviously that's some serious stuff and, and really what you need to get paid well to write PHP. And so this is available both over on Patreon, so you can get Module 1 and Module 2 as a supporting listener over on Patreon at the exclusive courses level, that's johnmorrisonline.com slash Patreon. It's also available to students of Module 1 on johnmorrisonline.com PHP. So it's not available publicly. If you want to get access to it, you'd have to become a student of Module 1, which you can do Again, at JohnMorrisOnline.com slash PHP. And then you will see Module 2 available for you to get access to. Um, But again, both those places, it's available. If you really want to dig into learning PHP and get serious about making a career out of writing PHP code. All right. So, coming up, we're going to get into, is PHP dead? We're going to dive into the different arguments against PHP and then... Uh, See what the truth is. That's coming up next. You're listening to John Morris Show. JohnMorrisOnline.com You know, one of the big mistakes that I see a lot of developers make is they make learning how to code much harder than it has to be. For example, I see a lot of developers who think the list of skills that they need to learn to master PHP is pages and pages and pages long. (laughs) It's not. Now... I've said this before, and I will definitely say it again, but there's a foundational set of skills that you need to learn in order to be functional as a PHP developer, meaning that you can execute on projects and get paid. This is the fallacy that is so prevalent in the PHP developer community, that there's this ideal set of skills that you have to learn and that you have to be the absolute greatest developer in the history of mankind in order to be able to get paid to code. You don't. You simply need to be able to execute on projects. I talk about end results all the time. You need to be able to deliver end results to clients. Because that's ultimately what they want. But when you focus on these found foundational skills and learning only those first the things that will allow you to execute on projects, what you realize is that you can start getting paid to code much faster than you probably ever thought because you haven't set this idealistic, unattainable bar for yourself to reach before you allow yourself to take paid work. You can start now when you can execute on a deliverable, when you can complete, A a single project, when you can create a contact form or a business website, when you can execute on that, you can start and you could start then building the life that you wanted that you got into this all for the, in the first place, instead of continuing to slave away at some job, making somebody else rich. Anyway, you can learn these skills in my free course, the beginner's guide to PHP which you can enroll in at johnmorrisonline.com slash learnphp. And it's going to teach you these foundational skills so you can get started right now. Again, it's a completely free course that you can take at johnmorrisonline.com slash learnphp. Don't wait on this. Head over there right now and get started building that life. Welcome back to the John Morse Show, johnmorrisonline.com. So, I came across this about it, what happens. The, the reason this came up for me is usually about once or twice a week uh, on my YouTube channel, I get somebody who clump, comes through, kind of like a like a shooting star, a meteor that comes through the channel and loves to light a fire in regards to PhD, PHP. Because I talk about PHP a lot. I obviously have a PHP course and there's there's usually someone who likes to come through and just kind of flame the comments with how php sucks and it's terrible and it's dead and nobody's writing php code i had i think the specific comment was something the as kind of the snarky lol php really that's a dead language etc and again as i mentioned in the introduction even the people who write articles and and ask questions is php dead Oftentimes, when you actually read it, they're not actually asking the question. It's a lead-in to catch new developers who are genuinely wondering that question and wondering if PHP is something that they should invest in. It's there to catch them and then tell them why PHP is terrible and they shouldn't learn it and they should learn their language of choice. So I'm going to provide the counter view and hopefully catch a few developers in that same trap, so to speak, and give them the other side of the argument. So what I want to do is I want to talk about the arguments, first talk about the arguments people make against PHP. And it really kind of falls into two categories. One is a technical kind of category where they talk about kind of the nuance of the language and the way it works and so forth. And then the other one is a popularity kind of uh, argument that they make that, PHP is losing its popularity and so forth. And so that just means more people, you know, there's more developers aren't using PHP, etc. And so you shouldn't use it either. So I want to address both of these. I'm going to talk about the popularity one first, because to me, this is the craziest one. So what I see so often, there's this, uh, I would say the Ackerman is Tayobi, Tyobe, it's, T-I-O-B-E, the importance of being earnest is what it stands for. And there's this index that they've created. And it's designed to measure the popularity of programming languages. And so if you look at this index and what people often do when talking about how PHP is losing popularity, they point to this index and show how, you know, if you look at it, it looks like PHP is losing its popularity. And this index, and this will be important as we get into it, is based on the number of search engine results for queries containing the name of the language. So what they basically do is they look at search engines, they look for queries containing the, the language, so PHP in this case, and then they look to see how many web pages, how many search engine results come up for those searches. And then they base the popularity the more more search engine results for a particular language, then presumably the more popular it is now, there's some issues with this way of looking at popularity. in fact, someone people who aren't p h p proponents have looked at this index and said that there's problems with it, so much so that an alternative index was created. Uh, with the acronym PYPL. And their critique of this TIOBE index or T-I-O-B-E index is that it counts the number of web pages that exist, but it doesn't actually count how many people are looking at those web pages. So a particular language could have 10 million web pages out there that come up in search results for it, but does that mean that people are actually looking at those web pages? They're actually going to those web pages and looking at them? That would be maybe an important thing to look at when considering how popular a programming language is. Because if, let's say, a language has been around for 30 years, chances are, and, and there's a new one that's been around for five, chances are that it's going to have more web pages out there not 100% true across the board, but probably a good likelihood that that's the case. And so PYPL, this index, came up with a, a new way of looking at it because what they saw is while certain languages would rank high in this TIOBE index and have tons of web pages out there, when they looked at Google Trends data for those languages, they would note that there was a big difference, that the trends were, were way down compared to the number of search results. And so they decided to make their own index and they use Google Trends as a part of it. And what this does is shows how many people are actually going and viewing those web pages and, and doesn't just count the number of, of web pages that actually exist out there. Now, to my mind, and a lot of people's, this seems like a much better indicator of popularity. Because this will sh- this will show that if a new language comes onto the scene it might not have a ton of web pages but the web pages that are out there are getting visited a ton. That seems to indicate that maybe there's some popularity and some interest there. Now, the reason I point this out is because people love to point to this TIOB index as the end-all be-all in terms of language popularity. You'll see it time and time again. Just doing the research for this episode, time and time again, this index is posted. But there's a fundamental problem with how it works. It's, it's a classic case of confirmation bias. You see an index that fits your preconceived notion, so you use that and say that's the only one that matters. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't pay attention to what the TIOB index shows. But it doesn't, to my mind, seem like the end-all, be-all indicator. And so we should look at both. And it becomes interesting when you look at the difference between the two specifically related to PHP. So in the T-I-O-B-E index, PHP is ranked number 6. And this is one of the things that people point to. Oh, it's ranked number 6. It's it's kind of on the decline. They'll show this chart where it shows like... A, it shows this huge declines in PHP and so forth. And they'll say it's a dying language. But if you look at the PYPL index. PHP is actually number three. And it's number three behind Java and Python. So Java is the most popular, which kind of makes sense given. Uh, you know, it, it it's it's the way it's embedded into certain enterprise applications and also android development seems to make sense that it'd be pretty popular. Python is number 2 and then PHP. All these other languages that people like to point to that they say are killing PHP are either way down on the list or not on the list at all. It lists the top 18. So these other languages that are supposedly better and killing PHP don't even show up. Now you will see some of those over on the TIOBE index, but again, there's a difference between these two indexes. So, in terms of actual popularity, what seems like a better indicator, PHP is number 3 instead of number 6, and it's behind two other languages that are, you know, fairly well-established languages they're they're not the new upstarts that everybody claims is taking over php so that's the first thing is is this looking at the 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 numbers that actually matter again i say look at both right both could be indicators but again to me looking at how many people actually view one of those web pages is a much better indicator than just how many of the web pages actually exist now it's true that even in the PYPL index that PHP has over the last 12 years has lost a little popularity in terms of developers out searching for those sorts of tutorials. It has gone down and Python has had a significant rise, which is why it has passed PHP into number two. So that's That's information to look at and take into account when you're deciding what to do. Now, I'm not saying that you should, oh, that just means you should go and learn Python because there's some other things we're going to talk about in a minute that maybe would change that equation. But again, it's just important to take all of this information in and look at what the real numbers are and not just hold on to one index. Okay, so... Yeah, PHP is down a little bit in terms of this index over the last twelve years. Python is up. Java stayed pretty consistently high. JavaScript is moving up pretty quick, so that's something to to take a look at. I mean, you know, they a lot of people position is this either or. Well, you got to learn PHP or JavaScript. Learn both. Learn both. And then you're 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 covered. And then down the line, maybe learn some Python and some Java and. Some C sharp and C or whatever. But here's what really kind of turns this on its head, which makes the this whole kind of popularity thing crazy to me. And I, I've talked about this before, but I'm gonna go through it again for those who've never heard. What really is interesting is that even though PHP is number three in this index, in terms and understand. This isn't how many sites are using PHP. This is the number of web pages that, that have the phrase, that show up in search results for the phrase PHP. And in, in terms of the PYPL uh, index, it's PHP tutorial. And they have a whole explanation of why. So this is web pages that are related to PHP tutorials or Java tutorials, etc. It's not how many sites it's installed on. Because when you look at how many sites it's installed on, it's not even close. Now, according to w3techs.com, PHP is used by 82% of websites whose uh, language, server-side language we know. 82%. Now, a lot of people will look at that and say... Well, yeah, but that's, you know, that's this one site, that's one number. Who knows how close that is, et cetera. Okay, Google was actually forced to admit itself that according to what it saw, and again, this is they index dang near everything, that their number was about 75%. They thought that PHP powered about 75% of all websites. Now, the reason that they were, forced to admit this is because they were forced to add php support to their app engine which is kind of their their back-end cloud service and it was they had to add it because it was the most requested feature for the app engine and once they added it it quickly became one of the most popular languages in their google cloud offerings They had tons and tons of people who were wanting them to add it. And so they said in the release, they said, well, we figure about 75% of websites use PHP. So when you get into number of websites actually using PHP in terms of popularity, it's not even close. PHP is far in a way more popular. So, yes, the indexes are important. You can look at all the indexes. But look at all of the numbers, not just how many tutorials have come out regarding PHP. How many sites actually use it? Beyond that, if you look at some of the major applications that are out there, so, for example, the, the content management system type area, you have Drupal and WordPress and others, that are all major projects built on PHP. And WordPress itself powers 25% of all websites, according to W3Techs, and is likely to grow because they found that it's powering as much as 29% of new sites that they're tracking. And they've seen that usually the way new sites go is the way the category goes overall. So they're projecting that that's going to grow. And again, it's based off of PHP. So, again, in terms of popularity of actual use of the language for a web environment, it's not even close. So, all that to say the popularity argument. That's my case against the PHP isn't very popular or losing popularity argument. There might not be as many tutorials coming out now as there was in 2004, which, by the way, makes complete sense since that was about when the language was really gaining its popularity. But in terms of sites using it, it's been consistent, consistently growing in popularity. Now, the second argument that you're going to get revolves around the nuance of the technology. So, these are varied and there's a number of these. I'm not going to go into some elaborate takedown of each one of these. Cause I, I really don't think it's necessary and I'll get to why, but let, let's just go through some of them. So some of the things that people say is the typing system sucks. So it's context dependent. It's determined at runtime. Type casting is bad. Dealing with type conversions when using operators is bad. They'll also talk about the inconsistency of of case sensitivity when when it matters and when it doesn't, when you have constants and you have function name, all sorts of different things. They'll talk about the performance. That's a common one you'll hear. Another one that you'll hear is the the object-oriented programming implementation isn't very good. And what else? I'm going to say two things on this. One, that all very well may be true, and that's fine. Those are legitimate, you know, those can be legitimate critiques, and you can have those critiques. But what happens so often, what I see so often people do is they'll point out these bad things of PHP, and then they'll compare them to the the good, the way that their language is good in these areas, and then that's it. They'll say, see, so now you, PHP is terrible, you shouldn't use PHP, you should use my language of choice. The problem with that is, Every language has advantages and disadvantages. And so if you're really going to be objective, you're going to do the same in reverse. You're going to look at your language that you like, and you're going to look at how it's bad, and you're going to find ways that you're going to look at ways in which PHP is better in those areas. And you're going to give a full objective view, but that almost never happens. Instead, they just point to these three or four things that they don't like about PHP And then just say, well, my my language is better because of it. Well, there's a reason why (laughs) PHP is so popular. Now, and this is going to go to the core argument. I'm not saying it's because it's a better language necessarily. Better is subjective in a lot of ways. But there are things about it that make it so that it's often and probably more likely for the future... To always be the more popular language. Now it's the things that sometimes people like to point to. As a disadvantage. For example it's easier for new developers to learn. To me that is an advantage. In terms of popularity. It might not be an advantage in terms of your purest holier than thou view of things. But it it is an advantage in terms of a language and it's popularity. Which is what we're talking about here. Is the language, is PHP dead? To me, that's a, uh, speaking to a, a popularity argument. But they'll say, well, that's the problem with PHP is that it's easy for new developers, so you get terrible code that's out there. True, that's a downside of that. But overall, to me, it's, it's an advantage for the language. Not for my argument that I, I really care, oh, I win because my 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 language is more popular it's an advantage for the language that it's easier to use it's a lower barrier to entry in any other industry or <laughs> any other thing that we would look at having a low barrier to entry would generally be considered an advantage those advantages can have downsides but they're still advantages right so but ultimately the point is people never do that They don't give both a fair treatment. They don't objectively look at advantages and disadvantages of both languages. They just want their language, they want to make the argument that their language is better, so they only give you one side of the story. You have to look at both sides. There are things about PHP that that are advantageous for using it. One of those things, and what I believe is the most important thing, When it comes to popularity and is a language going to be around for a while. Is how much it is embedded into the fabric of the web. Now I fully concede that this really has nothing to do with whether or not PHP is a better language. It has to do with timing. And it has to do with the way the web was growing at the exact same time that PHP was kind of coming into its own and, and being developed and so forth. And they kind of went hand in hand. And so PHP became the default. I 100% admit it has to do with timing and not necessarily being a better language. But if you look around at the business side of, of, of all of this, every web hosting company out there has the LAMP stack support has instant one-click installs for all PHP-based systems. It's already there. It's in the environment. You don't have to find it. You don't have to install it. Now, people will say, well, if you're a real developer, then installing whatever you need to install for whatever language you want to use is not a big deal if you're a real developer. Again, lower barrier to entry. You might not like it, but it is an advantage and it's such an advantage for php such an overwhelming advantage that it really starts to nullify a lot of other things because if you wanted to get rid of php if php truly were going to die the, the ecosystem that gives its its advantages upon which it's built fall of, of of all the business systems and ecosystems that are in place that support and are built on php those would have to go away too. And that's almost impossible. PHP would really have to mess up consistently for people to dump it. But the opposite is actually true. With PHP 7, PHP is learning from what it's seeing from other languages and the critiques that have been made of it, addressing performance and some of this other stuff, to continue to stay on par and the the reality is that's all it has to do. Because it's so ingrained in everything, all it has to do is is be close to equal and it's gonna win. Because it's already there in the in the ecosystem. So do I really think that in the next 10 to 20 years we're gonna see PHP ripped out of that ecosystem? I don't. Now again, anything's possible. You should always plan to to have to adapt. But when you're thinking of what should I learn first, what should I learn second, what should I learn th- third, to me, PHP is one of the first things you should learn. And then you can get yourself some other skills to be able to adapt if something does happen to it after that. But if you want to become a coder, get work and start getting hired for cl- or getting clients or getting hired at some position start with php it's the most opportunity and you can just get going and then you can learn the other stuff you can up your salary because some of these other skill or these other languages do have higher average salaries they're just also harder to get into so go for the most popular one to get into it and then adapt from there mobile is another one that is, is on that high on that list. So I'm not just a PHP fanboy. I'm just looking at the reality of it. So my last point on all this is I want you to think out there. We, we as developers often get so wrapped up in our, own, in our own industry and we think of what all the major tech players are doing and what all the major you know, developers out there are saying and so forth. What you have to realize is 99% of the world, when it comes to the details and the nuance of what we do, they could care less. They don't pay attention. I mean, just look at any of your family members around you. They probably don't even know what PHP is, or Node.js for that matter, or Python. They don't even know. They don't care. Think of all the mom and pop businesses out there or the small websites, or the charities, or the movement websites that are out there that are run by maybe one person, or a a small, small group of people for a local business that are already on PHP. Those people aren't going to change to some other language because you come in and say how terrible it is, and you give all these detailed technical reasons of why you think it's bad. They're not going to do it. They don't care. They're not developers. What they care about is easy. Easy to get started. Easy to get running. Easy to find developers. Easy to find support. And that's where PHP's infrastructure gives it its biggest advantage. Because you can install a WordPress or a Drupal and not have to really ever worry about any of the technical side of it. I, I get other languages have that some of that stuff, but not nearly as robust as what PHP has. And so, again, that's what's going to, in the future, in my opinion, determine what languages stick around and which ones don't. It's not us arguing over minutia of of a of a language. It's what do what do end users ultimately care about and what do they want? And right now, PHP has a huge advantage in that. So, is PHP dead? In my mind, absolutely not. Is it going to be dead anytime soon? I mean, is it dying now and going to be dead? I, there's nothing that I'm looking at that, that says that that's the case. By all means, if you have some argument, if some compelling thing that I'm missing here, then... Please enlighten us all, but there, there's nothing I see to indicate that that's what's going to happen. Again, learn other stuff. I'm not saying don't learn other stuff. That I'm not saying they're not necessarily better languages. I'm saying PHP is not dead, and it's not going anywhere in the foreseeable future. And if it does die, it's going to be a slow, painful death that you will see coming. All right, we got a little bit of time left, so I'm gonna get into this freelancing, addressing some of the freelancing questions I've got lately, the process that I use for dealing with those, this three-step process for really consistently getting clients. I gotta take a break. We'll get to that when I get back. You're listening to John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. You know, it's kind of funny. Every time someone uh, joins my email list, I asked them a very specific question. I asked them, what would you say if I could, if I told you I could teach you how to master PHP in the next few months? And I get a lot of interesting answers. Now, I get a lot of people who, you know, they say, sign me up. Where do I start? Let's do this, right? I get people who are a little more skeptical who say, "Um, it would depend on the details, you know, if it costs, what it costs, etc., and then I get people probably on the, the most skeptical end who are like, well, what does it exactly take to master PHP? And all these are really great questions. Now, let me ask you this, since you're here listening. What if I told you that you could learn everything that you needed to know for PHP to get started working full-time in PHP, to actually get off of that nine-to-five you hate and start making your living as a coder. You could learn everything that you needed to know, 265 lectures, over 28 hours of content for just 37 bucks. I hope that your answer is a resounding yes, because I can tell you this is a very unique opportunity compared to the way I had to go through it and the way developers in the past have had to do it. So I don't want you to underestimate this because there's, you know, there's a lot more options out there now today, but I see people out there spending two, $3,000 on bootcamp, spending tens of thousand dollars go, going to college. And you don't need to do that. You can get started in the next few months, learn everything that you need to learn and do it for just 37 bucks and learn from someone who's been doing it for a number of years now and knows exactly, they know what you need to learn. They know how to teach it to you and they're going to do that. So that sounds like, you know, if you're one of those people that's, yeah, where do I sign up? <laughs> Head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP. You want to make sure and use that link specifically. That is an affiliate link, but it's also a discount link. So you're going to get 26% off the regular price of the course and you're going to get access, like I said, to all 265 lectures. You also get access to the chat area where you can interact with other students and the instructors. There's over 13,000 students enrolled in the course. Edwin Diaz is the instructor. He's been a freelance web developer for a number of years and knows exactly what he's talking about uh, and is in the co- there in the chat to help you, other students and so forth. So you can get this taken care of. You can get PHP mastered and you can get down the path, get on with your career and making your living as a full-time web developer. So again, don't underestimate this. Don't overlook it, just because you may have heard about this stuff before. You can get this taken care of, and all you need to do is go to johnmorrisonline.com slash php. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. All right, so I've I've been getting a lot of questions, comments, people frustrated lately when it comes to this idea of freelancing now i like to talk about freelancing because a it's something i did for a lot of a lot of years and b it's it's really the thing that has taken me from the life i was in before which was not good to you know where i'm at now which is something i never could have dreamed of and a large chunk of that has to do with freelancing and some of the things that i learned because i very much you know i'm married i've I've had kids since I was twenty years old, so I never had a period really had a period of time where I could didn't have to worry about taking care of somebody else. I was married at twenty, I had my first or married at nineteen, I believe it was and married or had my first kid at twenty. I've always had other people that I had to take care of, and so for me, consistent income, peace of mind, reliability that has always been one of my top priorities. And so when I got into to freelancing, that, I mean, that was that was where my mind was at. I didn't, it wasn't something I learned after getting burned. It was always there from the beginning. That was, I mean, I approached it from that mindset from the start. And so as a part of that, there were You know, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to make it consistent. And again, at first, it wasn't perfect. You know, I didn't have it all figured out right from the start, but I constantly was trying to find and learn new things to be able to do that. Now, interestingly enough, here recently, I had a client of mine who their business isn't doing so well financially. And, you know, I don't really have anything to do with that part of it. They they hire me to do uh, different things and so forth. But so, you know, their business isn't doing as well. And, you know, it's not a situation where they just can't hire me for any work because of what they do. I, you know, I'm I do so much of the important stuff. They have to you know, have to continue to, to do work for them because otherwise they just they'll be in even worse shape but they came to me recently and said that there's you know things aren't going as well right now and they need to cut back on some of the work that they have me do and ultimately some of the income and I mean I do thousands of dollars a a, a month worth of work for them and what they're cutting back is thousands of dollars a month that I'll I'll be essentially losing an in income because they have to cut back on the amount of work that I'm going to do. So, I can tell you it wasn't that long ago that had that happened, I would have been kind of freaking out. You know, I I would have you can imagine losing several thousand dollars a month in income. That 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 would be a big deal. But I can honestly say that I'm it it doesn't even phase me. A because I've known about the issues for a while. I've kind of figured that that was coming. And so I've been prepared for it. But B because of the fact that I know that at any time I have I have a list of clients who've sent me quote requests. That I've had to turn down because I've been doing a bunch of work for them and I've been doing this stuff and you know, take I've taking on a bunch more client work really isn't what I want to do. Now obviously I'll do what I have to do, but I have a whole list of clients that I've turned down that very easily, I mean, I get several quote requests each and every month, still to this day, even though I say all the time, I'm really not doing it much anymore. And it's not because I'm some awesome person. It's not because I'm some super genius. Uh, It has to do with the fact that I have a system in place for bringing in new clients that I can't turn off. And I mean that seriously. There's been times in the past where I've tried to turn it off. In fact, there's probably a time in the future where I'm going to try again. I can't turn it off. It's that consistent. It's that ingrained into every the web, really. That it it just I can't I can't ever really get it to go away. And so, uh, you know, I, I I'm losing several thousand dollars a month in income from this one client, but I know that I can easily pick that up by just taking on another client or, you know, getting different work each month because of all the quote requests that I get. And so I want to briefly go into that process because it's, it is the solution to consistency and peace of mind when it comes to freelancing. Now, if you've been with the show for a while, you've heard me talk about this before, but what I want to point out is if you're not doing it, then it doesn't matter the 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 brilliance of this system is not how it sounds. It's how it works when you do it. To, to coin a favorite or use a favorite phrase, it works if you work it. So, again, I'm going to go through this. If you've heard it before, my question to you would be, are you doing it? And so, the system is a really a three-step process, and it's this three kind of Concepts and ways of thinking about the different aspects of getting clients. And so the words for those are attract, sell, and wow. And so I want to go through each one of these. I'm going to do it briefly and talk about what are the really important things. I'm actually going to start the end with wow because it's the most important. So one of the first clients that I had, I had, you know, they, He had had me build something. The whole time I was working with him, I had, you know, you're you're building something for somebody. You try to do a good job. You try to communicate. You try to be helpful. But there were some things that had happened that were, had come up that were really addressed beforehand. And it was kind of a little messed up from my perspective, just some things that, they wanted done and added that weren't really talked about that I had kind of addressed and they had said, okay. And then now that we were at that point, they, they wanted me to, (laughs) they wanted me to do it anyway. And so I had worked through that the best I could with them. I didn't really raise a big stink. Uh, Part. this is part of the reason why I'm as hard-nosed as I am now, because you really have to be hard-nosed with clients when it comes to scope. But this is one of the first projects that I had had. So I was really trying to do a good job and so forth. And so we worked through it. You know, I didn't really charge them a bunch extra. And I didn't make a big stink about some of the things that had come up. And when we got all done and we were on one of our last calls for the site, we were talking and, and he said, by the way, I have a friend of mine who's, this is building a membership site. That's what I did. If you're not familiar, he said, I have a friend of mine who's wanting to build a membership site too. And I've told him about you and he's interested in talking to you. In fact, hope you don't mind. I gave him your email address and he's probably going to be contacting you within the next couple of days or so. And I hadn't ever had that happen before. And for me, it was like this light bulb that went off because the guy did end up calling me. He did end up hiring me. I, I did end up building his site and, and getting paid to do it. And it was like, I got a free client. <laughs> I, I didn't have to do a bunch of marketing or selling when he, ca- it was so much easier in the hiring phase because someone he knew had referred me. And everything was just so much easier because of that. And this is why the wow phase is so important. In fact, a lot of service industries out there, if you, if you don't know, you're in a service industry as a freelance web designer. You're providing a service. A lot of service industries, a lot of companies out there rely almost solely on referrals like this. And if you start to look, get into some of the statistics, it's so much easier to get a client this way. And the large majority of the service industry is based off of referrals like this. So I say that to highlight the importance of the delivery phase or what I call the wow phase. It is going to be the largest chunk of your business is getting referrals from existing clients. Now, that's easy to say, the question that obviously immediately comes up is, well, okay, how do I wow them? How do I make it such an experience that they refer people to me? Now, there's a lot of things I've talked about before with the reliability, communication, being easy to work with, et cetera. But there's two things that I think are most important that can are, are almost like magic when it comes to getting referrals from existing clients. The first one is speed and the second one is communication. If you can deliver ahead of schedule, faster than what they imagined or what you told them, then that's going to go a long way towards them being impressed. Now, there's a couple ways to deal with that. Some people will tell people it's going to take longer than what they believe it will. You know, there's often a rule of thumb you you figure out how long you think it will take and then you double it, right? So then because things come up and then if something bad happens, you still have extra time and you still end up delivering ahead of schedule. That I definitely recommend doing that. But the other thing that I'll tell you is that what I found to be really effective in, in speed is you building the same things over and over and over again. So I built membership sites. I delivered a similar kind of membership site to every client that I worked with. And as a result of that, I got really good at building them to the point I could build them really, really quickly. In fact, there were some I built in just a matter of hours, four or five hours, I could put up a membership site for somebody. That kind of thing will definitely impress clients and have them just inadvertently talking about you, not even meaning to. They'll just be talking to a buddy of theirs, friend of theirs, and be like, Yeah, the dude got it up in like four hours. It was insane. Now, if that person's in a similar industry to them, which likely they are, that person's immediately going, dude, you got to give me his number. So speed and, and delivering similar types of projects. This is why this is going to be the theme. This is how I'm going to tie this all together. This is why specializing is so important. Because it allows you to deliver the same kind of things over and over again. When it comes to communication, again, delivering the same kind of projects is the way that you make sure you have a good communication rapport with your client. Why? Because when you build the same type of projects over and over again, you start to figure out the points at which how many days you can go or the points in the project at which clients are going to get antsy they're going to want to communicate etc and you can preempt all of it you can actually write down and create a communication schedule of that's tied to the different points of your delivery and you can say you can know when you need to communicate with them in order to tell them important information get decisions from them and also preempt any anxiety they might have when you deliver when you specialize and do the same projects over and over again when and how to do that becomes crystal clear to you, All right? So that's the wow phase. Then we get into the selling phase. Now, this is the one that I think developers struggle with the most because there's this idea among developers that I shouldn't have to sell myself. If I'm really, really good, I shouldn't have to get out there and, and market myself any. And yes, again, referrals are a big part of your business. But you're never going to get your first clients and you're never going to get those people to give you referrals and get a steady stream of referrals if you're not out there marketing and selling yourself. Again, we're talking about consistency. What you want is more people contacting you than you could ever take in. Then you can pick and choose. You have the pick of the litter, so to speak, when it comes to clients. And so getting out and selling yourself to prospective clients. Now, again, tying this all together, this is why specialization is so important. And this is why focusing on specializing in an end result. So if the wow phase is about specialization, the corollary of that in the sell phase is end results. It's kind of going back to what we talked about with PHP and is it dead or not? Clients don't care about all the nuance of the language. They care about the end result that they're going to get. That's why in my PHP courses, we end by me teaching you how to build something real. Module one, you learn how to build a kind of basic form, contact form that you could use to deliver for clients. Module two, I show you how to build a more advanced form that uses sessions and so forth that definitely you could use to deliver to clients and they'd be impressed. That's why I show you that stuff. That stuff matters. That's what they want. They don't want a really nice for each loop. They want a sweet looking and working form or membership site or whatever. So To me, the key for you mentally when it comes to selling yourself is to focus on end results. What's the end result that you deliver? If you really get clear on that and have a very concise set, maybe three to five end results that you deliver, like I built membership sites. That's all I did. I had one. And I built membership sites using WordPress and a very specific plugin. That's all I did. But because I was specific and I focused on end results, I didn't talk about how I was going to code everything or what languages I knew. I I talked about the membership site itself, how it's going to work and why it's going to be better and so forth. That's what they care about. So focus on end results. And again, specializing in a very specific set of end results is the way to go. Finally is the attract phase. And I think this is the one that most developers don't even think about. So what I get most often is people will be like, hey, I've put up my profile on Upwork. You know, I've got my portfolio in there. I think I wrote my bio pretty good. I got a nice picture. I've done everything that I think I should do. And I've gone out to bid on some jobs and nobody's hiring me. You got to bring the clients to you. Right? (laughs) It's like if you put up a website, you don't put up a website and then not tell anybody about it. you gotta you have to start building an audience and you want that audience to be filled with people who will ultimately be prospective clients. This is why I got on YouTube in the first place. I started at that time, content marketing was kind of this new thing that people were talking about, so I'm like, okay, let me give this a shot. Now, content marketing. I mean, it's known. It's the default way that you market online. But I threw up some YouTube videos showing some different PHP stuff to get people to hire me to write PHP for them. In fact, one one of the videos I put up was how to create an IACS import file. This is a calendar file that you could create via PHP that would then show up on your site. People would click it. And it would give them this ICS file that they could import into their calendar. Right. Uh, another one was a Google sh- pro, uh, products uh, file that you could create. That you could create based off of WordPress. So it would re- create the exact file that you needed. that So Google could grab it and pull your products from your e-commerce site into their Google shopping thing. This was before Google shopping was this huge I mean, this was... Almost a decade ago. Those were some of the first things that I did. Over on YouTube. And you know what happened as a result? I got a ton of people who contacted me. And said. Hey I saw your video on such and such. I was wondering if you'd just do it for me. And Yeah sure. I already have the file. I already knew what to do. It, it, those things. Specific things would take me about an hour to do. And I'd make three, Four. Dollars off of it. So you need to go out and attract the people that are ultimately going to be your clients. And the way you do that is by creating content that's relevant to them related to what you do. So I build membership sites. Now I did some of this, but I was still kind of figuring this out as I was going through. But if I really wanted to dig back into it, I would start creating content around membership sites not just the technical side but i've worked with some big name clients i've got some information that i can provide people on the marketing side of membership sites and so i would start creating content around that and then at the end of the video or the article or whatever say by the way if you want me to just build it for you you can go here and see my if you were on upwork you could say your upwork profile or your own website or whatever you have to go get those people. You can't just put up a profile and assume that you're going to get a bunch of clients. You have to build that trust beforehand. You have to demonstrate that you know what you're doing beforehand. Otherwise, if you go over on Upwork, for any job that's listed, there's probably 30 people that have applied to it. You're just a name on the list. You don't mean anything different. Yeah, it's hard to stand out in that environment. You're absolutely right. That's why you shouldn't only rely on that. Now, What a lot of people will say is, well... You know, I'm I'm just not good at that kind of thing. I don't want to put myself out there. I just don't want to have to do that. Well, I'm sorry. Tough luck. That's the cost of doing business these days. That would be like back in the '50s, saying, "Hey, I want to open a burger joint, but I don't want to buy a building." All right? Like I I don't want to do that part of it. it. Just it's expensive. It doesn't sound like fun. I don't want to buy a building, but I wanna I wanna sell hamburgers. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. (laughs) That's the cost of doing business. The cost of doing business online today is you have to be creating content. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk says this all the time. If you're not creating content online, you basically don't exist. So you have to go out and get those people and content is the way that you do it. Just make it relevant. In a lot of ways, you don't have to give away the farm, but you can just show people how you do what you do. And there will still be people who come and say, can you just do it for me? And hire you to do it for them. All right, so the process is attract, sell, wow. The common thread through all of that is specializing. Because then it becomes easy to deliver, it becomes easier to sell, and it becomes easier to create content around it. When you know exactly what you're doing. And it's very, very specific. All right. We're, we're, we're pushing about an hour here. So I'm going to go ahead and cut this off. There's a lot more that I could get into with all of this. Maybe at some point I'll do a full on freelance course, uh, and, and make that available. But again, those take that. And what matters is doing it. It's not the, the brilliance isn't in hearing it. It's pretty, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's not necessarily revolutionary stuff in terms of the way it sounds, But it's revolutionary in terms of what it'll do for your freelance business if you actually implement it. All right, so again, I'll wrap it up there. If you like this episode, if you could do me a favor and make sure and like it so that I know that you like this kind of content. Also helps me get more exposure so we can get more developers here in our community along that lines if you'd share it with somebody who you think would benefit i'd appreciate that and if you haven't yet be sure to subscribe again these are the podcast only episodes these aren't available up on youtube so if you want to subscribe if you're a new listener if you're a new listener my goal with the podcast is really to to help you learn how to code and also to help you learn how to turn it into a career because that's what we all ultimately want we want this as a career and so that's why i give this sort of advice so If you're new to the podcast, then the ways that you can subscribe are on your Apple device at JohnMorrisOnline.com slash iTunes, on your Android device at JohnMorrisOnline.com slash Android, or you can subscribe on Android, on iTunes, or just on the regular old desktop or laptop at JohnMorrisOnline.com slash SoundCloud with the SoundCloud app. Available in all of those places. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next time.